Static Energy Podcast is the hottest podcast on the planet, hosted by your boy Mo Giles and co-host cool-ass Lauren Michelle. Tune in Wednesdays on all major platforms for that static on what's current in culture, controversial issues, comical commentary, and an incomparable vibe you won't find anywhere else. It's a perfect way to tackle those midweek blues. Static Energy Podcast is everything but static. Yo, what's going on? It's your boy Mo Giles right here on the Static Energy Podcast. And I got my lovely host with me. Lauren Michelle, what's poppin'? Yo, I, see, Lauren still ain't don't be fast enough for me coming in with the intros, but it's all good, though. That's why they call me Cool Ass L, because I do everything cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> you see what uh, I'm saying? Okay. Uh, okay. All right. It took yeah. you that long to figure that out. What's poppin', Mo? Uh, you know, um, just getting back off the weekend, we had another uh, blind date photo shoot you know it was good right i think it was good i think this week was a lot different than last week though um or two weeks ago whenever we did the first one um yeah. we, this one was it was rough i think it, it was rough <laughs> yeah man because Quite listen rough. the fellas it's the fellas it's the fellas i think men are afraid to show themselves in that light on camera. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have a problem with doing it behind the scenes, but when you put a camera in their face, I feel like that that nervous feeling or they're afraid of what entanglements they have going on, you know what I mean? And yeah. they're afraid to say, I'm not single for real, I'm just kinda single. So that's yeah. what we get from the fellas and the women showing up though. Like the women are the women, showing up. The women are showing up, definitely, man. And which I, I don't understand because my if you single, then I don't understand how is it an issue because my thing is this when I was single, I would let you know what it is I'm looking for. You know, you there was no gray area, you know what I mean? And that's so the problem. If I could if I see you out with, with another dude, I have no issues because I'm doing the same thing. We're dating, we're you know saying seeing other people, whatever. And I have no commitment. But the problem nowadays, and you know this, I know this, what guys do is they play a role as if, you know, they're getting to know you. They try to take it to the next level, but they never mention Betty, Susie, and uh, Carol that they got at home or, you know, over in the projects or over in the suburbs, Mm -hmm. wherever these people are, they aren't keeping it real with themselves. And they definitely ain't keeping it real with us ladies. Mm. So that's the problem. But- I, what I have now realized, and, and I've kind of knew, y'all are savages too because oh yeah, women listen, they out here sing, they they single and they <laughs> they mingling too. We allow because, Absolutely. and I say it all the time. I will tell any man that tries to approach me or whatever. I might, you know, I might have options for the simple fact. Right now, I'm very particular on what I want and. I need to see where I'm getting it from. So I will let anybody know that's trying to date me like, hey, I'm playing the field right now. And that's just what it is. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. But it was a fun time. And um, speaking of last week, we had a special guest on the show. Um, Dominique Lemon. Yeah, she was able to come and um, tell her truth. And and we definitely appreciate her uh, with that. And honestly, um, with that, it kind of set me up for me having a conversation this past weekend with my own mom, you know. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you know, and 
some things came to light and was said, you know, um, that needed to be said. And it, it was just real emotional, man. So, you know, me and you, we've been rocking for, you know, a couple months now. Yeah. We talk every day and I know you know you. And sometimes your voice tells your emotions more than mm -hmm. your face does. And, you know, sitting here, we've been on the podcast, we've been recording all the five minutes, and I can already tell that that conversation that you had is still swirling in the front of your, your brain. And I feel like that might be something we might want to discuss. And we never know. Somebody might, you know, get something out of that. So you, you cool with that? Sure. Okay. So I have a question. I'm going to just get right to the point and get right into sure. it because you have something to say? No, nah, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, but um, I want to get into it because after listening to last week's episode, I kind of found some feelings of my own. Mm -hmm. Um, So the fact that you want to talk about your parents, I think it's perfect for both of us to kind of do a little bit of healing today and get some things off of our chest and hopefully it falls on the right ears. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. so, absolutely. So with that being said, um, we're going to get right to the point. Growing up, um, how was your childhood? Um, childhood, for the most part, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, there's a tale of two stories there. You know, um, grew up on the east side of Youngstown, um, Kimberbrook Projects. Uh, both of my parents were uh, drug addicts at the time. Um, okay. So. You know, I, I, I've been up through a lot of things, seen a lot of things. You know, my mom's side is from the east side and my dad's side. And when I'm talking, you know, geographically, so those who don't familiar with, you know, Youngstown, I'm from the Youngstown. And then uh, my dad was from a suburb, small town called Girard. So, okay. you know, growing up, you know, I seen both sides. But it wasn't until, I guess, really my mom went and got herself clean um, that I started to live more with my dad, but my dad still had his issues and problems too. You know what I'm saying? So um, growing up, it, it was rough, you know, it had to survive. You know what I'm saying? I mean, at the early ages, you know, I've seen people shot, kill, uh, rob. I've seen drugs, you know, it's, it, it's a lot. I, I, I didn't see so many and, you know, even having my own issues with, being sexually uh, uh, abused by a family member, um, mm. being, you know, uh, abused by, you know, my mom and my parents, you know, uh, my dad verbally, you know, it, it was a lot. So you said that you've seen like guns, drugs. So at a young age, criminal activity was normalized for you? I wouldn't even say normalized it was just things that was happening you know um around me and me being young you know not thinking you know uh for uh flight uh, um what's the word like not to run you're saying um so be i don't know i was just in awe you know saying when these things were happening you know okay. I, I always wanted to be close to the action oh so, oh. so yeah. you didn't run away from it. You went to it. Oh yeah, always. Like either I was, and somehow I'm always. I was always in the mix. Like I don't know 
if things just happen, they just fall on my lap, like being out playing in the front, you know, saying, you know, seeing with actually with my homegirl who, when I was younger, her dad was the one who got shot. You know, mm. like that situation happened or being in the house where, you know, I can remember, and I'm not going to mention any names, but I can remember a certain uh, a guy that my mom was dating. Um, his son was in the house, like all of these guns on the table mm. and he's like loading it up, you know, getting ready to shoot the rival gang down the street, you know? Mm. And I remember, you know, my cousins, my older cousins telling me to go to my uh, grandparents' house and I didn't leave because I was like, like, dude got guns. Like, I'm about to see what was going on. Mm. So it was just crazy that I was always in the midst of certain things and, you know, seeing drug dealers come and go and people with money. So, I, you know, I was always, for some reason, at an early age, gravitated to that type of stuff, you know. Okay, money, yeah. nice things, luxury <laughs> type things. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and, and I can relate to that. Um, and, and I this ain't even about me at the moment, but I'll tell a little bit of my truth later in the episode. But you said that you was always, you wouldn't run from it. So my question mm -hmm. for you is, do you feel like you ran towards that because you felt like you were getting a certain type of attention that you weren't getting from the nah. From your parents? I mean, I mean, those situations couldn't give me any attention because it was just events or things that were happening at the time I that I would just be, you know, saying like, you know, uh, just feeling like, you know, just like gravitating to and, and just watching. So it wasn't no attention situation. Um, but I don't know. I was just always at a young age. I was just interested in I don't know that type of shit, man. That's because I, I guess I, when you asked me the question, was it normalized? I guess in a way it was becoming something that was interesting. And then it was crazy because I would find myself doing little hood shit. You know what I'm saying? Bad, yeah, that's what I was about to ask you. Like, shit. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you get caught up in the lifestyle per se? Like, were you out here trying to, you know, carry guns at a young age or sell drugs at a young age because? that's what you see and you say it wasn't normal but when you start running towards stuff like that it is normal that's how I look at it because it doesn't yeah. you're not fearful of it so during those times I think I was five so and the crazy part is now thinking about it at the age of five and six I shouldn't have as much free range as I had you know being Every goddamn where, you know what I'm saying? You said at five and six. Yeah. So, so at five and six, what you mean you have free reign? I make make that make make it make sense to me. I, I mean, when your parents is you know getting high, you know, or, or whatever, they're not paying attention to you. So who was you watching have, you? I don't really goddamn know. I, I it, to be honest, it was myself. <laughs> So it wasn't like you went to school, you came home, you had to do your homework first before you went outside, do your chores, and then you. So it wasn't structured like that. So, no. I mean, you gotta understand. You know, five and six. You know, I, around that age, and this is. I, I think though that were that was the age that I was at, maybe seven. Okay, but what helped was there was a community center uh, within the Kimmerbrooks. Okay. 
there was a lady that I always remember, and even to this day, she's actually a part of the family. Um, later on the, and down the road in life, she had became part of my family. Mm-hmm. But her name was, uh, at the time, Miss Woods. And I just remember, you know, Miss Woods always feeding us, you know, always being there and just a face that I can identify with that was always there, you know what I'm saying? And more so at the time than my own mom. So, mm. and I remember they used to take us to get shoes and stuff like that. So when it came to, you know, a person, I guess, as you could say, who was watching us and taking care of us, when that center opened up, that's where I was at. Either I was helping the maintenance people, you know what I'm saying, around, you know, um, the camera department. Apartments, okay. Yeah, and, and they were giving me, you know, a quarter, you know, just for helping them out. But okay. that's what I, I was always doing. Either I was at that center or I was helping maintenance, you know what I'm saying, and, and trying to hustle, you know, to, to get a little quarter in my pocket, you know, to go to the store. Right, right. Okay, so now you got my wheels turning because um, I, I sometimes struggle trying to understand people's story when they're talking about their mother not giving them a certain type of love or attention growing up because, you know, my mother was the total opposite, thank God. Mm. You know what I mean? I, you know, I have parental issues, but not with my mother. So you said that this Mrs. Woods kind of stepped up and she was kind of like the fairy godmother of the hood. We gonna That's what we're going to call her. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Because she stepped in and she was that mother figure to you guys. So did you see your mom? Like, was she home or was she mm. gone for days or like? Um, no. So talk to me more about mom. Nah, my mom was definitely home. Um, I would see her. Um, I would see company, you know, um, and then, you know, later finding out that that company was, you know, her friends or family that was coming by to get high, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, and not only that too. So I had my aunt, she had her kids. Um, she had, let me see, you know, Nicole Sparkle, Amaya, Akira. So she had her four, her her four kids, and then it was me and my two brothers, you know what I'm saying? So I remember putting the, the beds being on, the mattresses being on the on the floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. We yeah. bringing them together. One of yeah. the cousins peed in the bed, you know what I'm saying? So, right, right, right. But my mom was around. Um, one thing I do say about my mom was, um, <laughs> is I, this is what I remember. We always kept a clean house. Like, I don't care how high my mom so got crazy. or whatever. Yeah, uh-huh. like, and even to this day, like, my mom keeps a, the neatest and cleanest house. You know, she don't play about that. Like, we ain't never had roaches or nothing like that, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. growing up in the project. But um, as far as my, I remember one time, I'm going to share a quick story, is I remember my mom getting high one time, and she locked me out of the house. And I'm like, She's on the other side, her and her uh, friends. I don't know what they were doing, but in my mind, I'm thinking something ain't right because I'm on the other side, locked out of the house, and I'm hungry, beating on the door, crying. Oh, and, 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 and even to this day, my mom still remember that and, and tears her up. And Hopefully one day we can get her on the show and she can tell this, but I just remember, man, just beating on that door, crying, trying to get into the other side, you know, trying to get something to eat. Could she hear you? Yeah. So was she getting high and she didn't yes. want to, she didn't want you to see her getting high. Man, listen, when that drug is, I guess, you know, is calling you, man, and, and you you are mm-hmm. addicted to that, 
you and you trying to fix that high, you cutting everything off. Nothing, I, nothing matters. You know what I'm saying? Trust At that me, point I know. In time. You know Trust what I'm saying? So, kids, you know, mom, dad, whoever, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it it didn't it didn't matter. So at that moment, okay, so you outside as a small child, you know your mom can hear you. Mm-hmm. You know she can. She won't let you in. You crying. It's almost like you desperate for help. Like help me. And mm-hmm. the person that is supposed to protect you didn't. Okay, mm-hmm. at that moment. So moving forward into your adult life, like because you had these situations in your childhood you know what I mean and you grew up to you know you went to college you got your degree you've had some great success in your life so like at this moment what's your relationship like with mom um me and my mom is good you know um what does good mean so no me my mom we I I feel like we have a great relationship I, I know that sometimes I piss my mom off um because I like to debate and challenge her, you know. Um, but as, you know, recently, you know, I, I will honestly say that things have kind of been more on the rocky side. And it's because, so my mom recently, like as of last month, as mm-hmm. I was going through my coronavirus, mm-hmm. she tells me that she's getting married in That's October. It's huge. It's a great it, thing. It, it would be great if I knew she had a boyfriend. Okay. It would be great if I knew his dude. Shit. Right. So with that being said, I just Shit. had all of these questions. And then my mom hit me with this. Well, you you and your brothers, y'all bring around, you're saying y'all friends or whatever, or, you know, shit like that. Like things like that. Like she's justifying, you know, using us and justifying as to why she's about to get married and why she's about to do it so fast. Now, mind you, I have a brother who Mm -hmm. was overseas as a contractor doing Mm -hmm. government work. Okay. He left here with not even knowing my mom had a boyfriend. Right. Then is going to come back with the whole stepfather. So, so, so wait, let me make sure I understand it. So your mom is getting married like now? Like, it's not like we just got engaged, we're going to plan a wedding, and then down the line we're getting married. Like, they getting married, married, like, soon? Like, yes. As, like, what we in uh, August, we yes. got September, then what? October. Um, October, yes, excuse me. Yes. <laughs> so is your brother going to be home at this point? So I don't think, I don't know. I don't know. At the time, he was not going to be home, and I don't know if he's trying to. There, he's going to request, but usually it's kind of hard sometimes. You Absolutely, know? especially in today. Uh, I mean, in the state we're in right now. So, I, I really just had to tell my mom and, and listen. I ain't behind this. I mean, because one, it's not fair for you to bring in another dynamic like this. You're know saying, and my older brother ain't gonna be there, and you're not even giving us time to allow to know him, you know, and I would be all happy for this. You know what I'm saying? Um, if, if I have time to know who he is, you know what I'm saying? So, and I told my mom, and this is where it stemmed from the cold conversation this past weekend. Like you are once again, making excuses, putting men before your kids mm. or, um, 
just putting yourself really before your kids without even consulting or um, considering our feelings, you know, and, and I, and I get it, you know, you, you and my dad have uh, been divorced for a few years now. Um, you're getting older and you don't want to die alone, live alone, you know, or whatever. And you mm -hmm. want to find happiness as right. you should, you right. know, just because you're a certain age that. Correct. Yeah. You, you know, it's just happiness just goes out the window. No. Right. Right. Um, but I, I just want my mom to make sure that she is considering us, you know, and I, so it triggered from you're still doing the same shit that you were doing when we were younger. So growing up, you felt you, I mean, let me make sure I'm following you. Growing up, you felt like y'all didn't come first in your mom's life. She chose drugs or men, whatever the case may be over you guys. And you feel like now moving into your adult life, you still doing those exact same things. Yeah. So two years ago and then two years to be exact. So one thing I never really did was hold any issues that my parents, um, like as far as the drugs and all of that, because those are the, the same elements, you know, saying that they had to, um, they, that they fell into is the same ones that I had to, dodge you know saying or whatever growing right. up in the environment that i had to absolutely so some of us are able to do that and some of us aren't however i never wanted that to be something that i hanged over my parents head but what really triggered me was two years ago i was talking to my mom about um just having life insurance you know asking if she has that because one thing i don't want to do is when i die or my parents die is treating well that that too but i don't want to treat death like a pizza order like everybody's scrambling you're yep. saying to try to figure out you know saying right. how much we yeah how much we gonna put in like yep. i want everything to be taken care of and one of the thing about one of the things about me is i believe that people should be able to monetize off of your death absolutely so especially your closest ones to you absolutely mm -hmm. so the thing and i'm gonna say this keep saying this what triggered me was my mom said is Y'all grown. I took care of y'all. I did the best. I know I didn't even I not even the best. She said that y'all grown. I didn't took care of y'all. Mm. Like I like she's done. I'm like, wait a minute. First of all, now I, I keep giving backstories. Now I took care of and I still do my ex um daughter. Mm -hmm. And you know, because her dad is in jail for the rest of his life, and you know, it was hard for me to separate from that little girl. But one thing that I realized, and I have to give credit to her mom is, when you have children, there are sacrifices. There are things that you have to give up. Absolutely. Concessions that you make, you mm -hmm. know? And then when my mom said that, I'm like, you didn't do a lot of these things, you know what I'm saying, uh, you know, as we were growing up, you know? And that, two years ago, that had always, bother me because I feel like the mindset of my mom have not changed. And I always want better for my people. It don't right. matter who you are. Right. So fast forward to, you know, to today, it's like, damn, you still got that same mindset, you know, still, you know, referring to y'all adults now, you know, whatever. And it's like, man, you're still being the same selfish person, you know, mm -hmm. and, that shit bothers me, man, because... As it should. Yeah. 
And, and so that is my only issue that I have, you know, with my mom. But okay. everything else, again, you know, I, we got a great relationship. Um, I love my mom dearly. Let, let, me, let me stop you. Like, you keep saying, <laughs> and, and this is just me trying to kind of talk you and make you realize some things, because I can relate to you. You know what I'm saying? My father, growing up, he's been on drugs for 38 years, I believe. I'm 36. So, you know, by the time I was born, it was already happening. You keep saying, like, I love my mom. I don't have no issues. Now, I'm not doubting that you love your mom, but the issues part, I'm kind of I'm kind of questioning because you keep saying the same thing in different ways, meaning you always put things before us. And it's mm -hmm. almost like what you're trying to say is, mom, I want you to stop and realize that you have never put us first. And even now in my adult life, it's almost like you yearning to be first in your mom's life, which you should never have to do. You should never have to do. But I feel like you keep saying you okay with it, but I'm not sure that you are because you still feel like you're not a priority to your mother. Um. No, I'm not. It's not that I'm yearning. It's just that I want my mom to slow down. You know what I'm saying? Like, so the guy that she's about to marry, I guess they had dated 40 years ago. Oh. And yeah. So there, there's history with them. Okay. And then, you know, my mom's excuse is, um, is that they're not getting any younger and all of this, you know, and that they had, they had this love interest years ago. Um, so, and and I'm telling you know, and my mom, like I said, is comparing, you know, I don't say nothing. I don't question you guys when you bring, you know, such and such around. And I had to really tell her, like, listen, you're the matriarch. You're you're the mother. My thing is you should never be comparing, you're saying, what you do to your children. If anything, you should be setting the example, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so for you to be trying to get down and, and then compare us you know uh, to you and all of that like that shit is crazy to me so again that mindset is, is what bothers me the most okay that's fair um mm -hmm. but i also think playing devil's advocate mm -hmm. at some point i do think parents have to put themselves first once their kids get to you know i think it okay growing up mm -hmm. I think you should always, if you have a spouse in the house, it should always be you and your spouse first, then the kids. Yeah. And, and, and I told them, like, listen, yes, you should at some point think about yourself or, or whatever, but do not, you can't come to me and give me all of these, you're an adult, or I didn't, I've, I've already did for y'all. So when, that's the part that bothers you then? Yes. It's her saying she's already did for you and she hasn't. Not in, in to the degree that I feel like she had. Like, I, I gave I gave an example as I was talking out with Jen the other day that um, even little shit like I have friends or family that can go back home and they can go home to their house like uh, they have a room that yeah they can go to yeah that's normal no no that's not I, I don't I don't have that 
My mom has moved 29 times. I have been to 13 different schools. So How many? 13 in my lifetime. I've been to 13 different schools. Two, so let me tell you something. Two years. I, I, so I went to Gerard. Um, let me see. Damn. My high school. So again, I'm speaking geographically to people. A Gerard, I, I went to that school for two years, and then I went to Ursuline for two years. Those are the longest that I've ever been out of school. Holy shit. So, man, listen, even the whole moving and all of that shit played a part even when I got older. And I didn't realize it. Um, when I, a lot in my 20s, I was always living out of like totes, uh, mm. garbage bags, and shit yeah. like that. You never I had never, that stability and never stay. had stability. And I was always on the move, so I was always prepared. And I remember one time the girl I was, one of the girls I was dating, we was living together, and we uh, it's crazy, man. When I moved in, she put my shit in the drawer, mm-hmm. and I I'm, I'm probably was like twenty four, twenty five at this time. I'm like, damn, this is the first time I ever had a dresser ever since I was a little kid. Are you serious? Um, Dead ass. And and yes, yes, yes. Damn. Yeah. And and (laughs) it also traumatized me too, dressers, because I remember one time, um, Mm. you know, the little, uh, the things that you open up the dressers with, um, at the board, I can't even think of it. But one of the boards, I fell off the dresser. And I remember Mm -hmm. one time I had got a whooping and my mom told me, I had to go lay on the bed naked and my mom took the board and just started just beating me with that. Oh my God. 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 So, you know, that, and that was shit that always, you know, saying like traumatized me too. You know what I'm saying? So again, it wasn't until, you know, the age of 24 or 25 and from, and I might be, you know, tripping, but from that point on, you know, that's the last time I remember that I had my clothes in a dresser. Damn, for the first time in your life as an adult man. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> wow. Um, you kind of threw me off with the board situation um, because I don't think that's right in no capacity. And I'm a, my bad to my mother, but... Um, growing up, my my mom used to, I remember her taking a two by four, hitting my brother with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I remember her throwing an iron at my brother. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like my oldest yeah. brother was a problem child. I'm not going to front, but I never understood. Like he yearning for something. Like he didn't have a dad. You know what I mean? And he mm-hmm. see me and my middle brother with his dad. So like he, he doing anything for attention. Cause right. you know, we got mom and dad, his dad has died. So, like, I never, ever condoned or understood how a mother or a father can get that mad at a child that they birthed yeah. where they want to hit them with an object or hit them, period. I, I so can't, you know. What also, too, is, and, and my mom openly admitted to this past weekend that she didn't know how. She only did the best that she could with what she had. Mm-hmm. And even her issues, you know, saying with uh, sexual abuse, um, being growing up poor, you know, um, just trying to scratch and survive. She only did what she could and knew how, you know, 
And my grandmother, God bless her soul, man, and may God rest her soul, was one of the sweetest women that I know. She, I, I don't remember my grandmother ever raising her voice. She always stayed strong in her faith, you know. Uh-huh. And no matter what I, I remember about my grandparents was, even no matter how poor they was, they still had that love. And even though through the messiness of, of my grandfather being drunk, you know, spending up all of the money on paydays and shit like that. Mm-hmm. My grandmother still held shit together. She was strong. And, and thinking back. Take your time. If, even now, like, you know how people be like, check on your strong friends? Yeah. My grandmother was probably going through a lot of shit, man, and didn't have nobody to talk to. And, and or, or, you know, just maybe getting on the phone, talking to her friends, or just, my grandmother was real heavy in her faith, man. And and I just think about, damn, my grandmother was, she went through a lot. She she endured a lot, man. But think about how many of our mothers and our fathers and our grandfathers, it's a cycle. And I, I've talked about generational curses, probably multiple episodes, and I'll never stop. Like, my dad is a drug addict, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, my dad used to have a great job. He was a pillar in the community. He was an athlete. He was a great coach. Yeah. But he he found drugs, right? <clears throat> my grandmother hated me because I held my dad accountable, right? So, like, when you just talked about your grandmother and how she was a strong woman, far too often in a black community, the women have to be stronger than they need to be because men and women around them expect them to be. And what mm-hmm. people don't realize is like my father, he got a drug addiction and everybody like, he got a disease, he got a disease, he got a disease. I blame him. And I will say this publicly because every drug addict has a choice. Same thing with your mom. And I feel uh, like so this, this is where we gonna disagree and your degree gonna come in. I'm sorry, but I disagree. I don't know why. So hold on. I don't know why Lauren keep thinking I have a disagree. I thank you. I don't have a degree, Lauren. Oh well, I'm, you're a mental a, health I'm, specialist. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a college dropout. You're However. certified. <laughs> certified <laughs> mental health specialist. Yeah, but so I'm gonna let you cook. I'm gonna let you go ahead because I don't want to interrupt. But we're gonna have to talk about that though. We definitely will. And I think, um, and I say it all the time, you know, my dad chose drugs over myself and my brother. You know what I'm saying? My mom had to work extra hard because, you know, growing up in a household, she was at work. She would come home. He didn't took all the appliances out the house to go sell them for, yeah. or, you know, he didn't took all our clothes to sell to the dope man, you know, mm-hmm. and growing up, I was always yearning to be daddy's little girl. So even though he was high, I never realized my dad was high because my dad was always around. Mm -hmm. Always. I'm talking always. But when I turned 16, 17, I was about to graduate high school. I sat down and I thought about it. He had never been at any of my major milestones. Like I'm talking, I was a competition dancer. I was a track star, a cheerleader. You know what I mean? I was very smart. I was an NAACP. I had National Honor Society banquets. You get what I'm saying? He was never there. And that's when I realized like he chose drugs, right? And then you have my grandmother that would tell me, 
oh no, he's sick, he this, he that, he this. And I'm like, well, take him to the doctor because that's what I do with my granddad when he's sick. Like we take him to the doctor. And at 17, 18, you would think I would know better, but we talk about my daddy. Like that's my daddy. Like I'm his baby girl. He loved me and this, that, and the third. So when you was talking about your mom, it triggered a lot of emotion in me because at 36, I still want to be daddy's girl. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you something. You you eat sweets, right? Very rarely. You okay? But you get these cravings, right? Yep. So even even so, with okay, yes to that. So let me ask you this: with social media, when you post a picture, you you constantly waiting for them likes, right? So what, what I'm trying to get to is, you know, these things, when you have drugs and all of these things, there are addictive chemicals that are put into these things that alter your brain, you know what I'm saying, and, and the way you think. And so, yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a choice at first to do it. But what we have to understand is once our mind is altered and now it becomes, uh, we need this to, you know what I'm saying, uh, for chemical dependence, we need. I still this. can't respect it, though. No, no, and you don't have, and you don't have to. And, I mean, at all. But to tell somebody that it is a choice, I don't, I don't know. It, 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 it becomes a disease because it becomes something that takes over you, and then yeah. it's hard to to get yourself off of. Like with me, I'm a diabetic, you know, and I know that I'm not supposed to have sugar, you know. However. When I, you know, and I've been on this, you know, diet, as you know, shit, that first week of getting myself off sugar, I was having headaches. I was having cravings and all of that because, again, there is addictive chemicals in these type of products. Absolutely. What makes us crave these things. So, you know, though, and I look at it the same way as a drug addict. I can't because this is how I look at it. As a grown adult, okay, now let me just give you a little backstory. My father was the plug. <laughs> and if anybody don't know what that means, my dad had the bricks, okay? So my dad had a great city job, but he also, you know, he was the dope man. So my dad, knowing the effects of what this drug does, he still made a conscious effort and a ch- choice to take this drug, knowing that it will alter his brain, knowing his kids would suffer, knowing his mother and father would suffer. He knew the effects of this drug. So to me, I it may become a disease, but I'm talking about that initial choice. When you sat down and put that crack rock in front of you and said, I'm going to just do this just the party, quote unquote, but you know the side effects, that's a choice. And it's a selfish choice because now at 36, I have daddy issues. Yeah. And like I said, you know, initially using that drug, yes, it's a choice. It, it is. That's my point. But but once those chemicals hit you, it's like- But they uh, should never get there. Because you know the effects and you know the trauma that it causes to a family. You know what this does because you sold it. You watched the community suffer from this. Now, I'll say this much. 
when and from from how it was told to me from my mom, um, is that the first time that she she did crack, it was with Roger Troutman. God, okay. God, yeah. may God bless the dead. Right. Um, and she said that he told her that it was a new drug from China. My mom didn't know. Like she, she, you know, she young or whatever, living life on you know fast lane. You know, boom. She's doing a drug with Roger Troutman and didn't know what the hell it was. And took one hit of that shit. And that's all she wrote. But again, I feel like that's selfish because as a parent, your job, your number one job with your children is to protect them. And when you took that first initial hit, you chose to no longer protect your children. And I can't respect that as a child who has suffered my entire life. Listen, to put things in perspective, like it fucked me up because I asked my dad to cut my grass. Mm-hmm. He said for $25. <laughs> <laughs> I, wow. What? Like for $25 or he'll call me like, can I borrow $10 or I, can I borrow $20? It's never no $13. It's never no $15. It's always enough for you to get a rock. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's always enough for you to get high. And I feel like when you're a drug addict, you should never involve your kids in your bullshit. Mm-hmm. Ever. I don't give a fuck if it's stealing out of their household, not making sure they eat, whatever. I get it alters your brain, but that's the part that you chose to make. You made that choice to jeopardize your entire family. But my dad, my father, the person that birthed me, yeah. he told me $25 to cut your damn grass. My daddy ain't never cut my grass. You ain't never did shit for me. Mm-hmm. But now you want me to pay you to do some shit that you're supposed to do for free? But that's that drug addiction. His mental is fucked up now at this yeah. point. And now I'm at a point where I always say, I'm over it. I ain't got daddy issues. I ain't got daddy issues. And I'm sitting up here. I am trying my hardest not to ball my eyes out because I literally have the strongest hate for my father because I don't understand how he could do me like that. I don't get it, mom. Oh, this is hard for me. Again, it goes back to, you know, you need some, you need a moment. Oh, okay. So, it goes back to what I was saying about um, when when our parents, you know, growing up, what their situation was, you know, and how they don't know how to come to terms and grips with their reality and things of, of their past, and then it's especially hard to tell a black man that. He needs to deal with his trauma because we feel like we strong enough. We got it. You know, we don't need no, we don't need to sit in front of nobody. We don't need to talk to nobody, you know, and, and these are all the things that are fucked up with us, you yes. know, because it affects our family. It affects generations, you know what I'm saying? And it, it becomes something that, you know, we now have issues with, you know, he has issues with, and now we just got this fucking circle of people, this tree 
that's all fucked up. That we got issues. We've been suppressing shit. You know what I'm saying? Putting things in the back of our minds and trying to go on with life and figure things out. But then when we have kids, you know what I'm saying? Now we doing the same shit that we only knew, you know saying, growing up and projecting that onto our kids. And it's just a generational thing that keeps on going. Like See, no, I, I, nobody is healing. Nobody's so like for you, have you been to, to therapy? I've been to therapy with my father. Um, uh, and he said it, he blamed me. He blamed mm-hmm. my mother. He blamed everyone but him. Um, and I remember being 16 when I got my license, you know, he would steal my grandmother's car mm-hmm. and, you know, run it out to the dope man or whatever. And I remember going to one of the popular streets in war. I'm riding, I'm riding, right, riding. Mm-hmm. I told my mom I was at cheerleading practice, but no matter what happened with my father, no matter how mad I was at him, I would always try to go get him, right? So I remember going to this dope house at 16. Now, mind you, I'm terrified of the hood, still terrified, terrified of the hood. I ain't running from it, but I don't like it. You know, hood shit scared me. So I remember getting out of my car, and it was a bunch of dogs in a fence. So when I got the car, they all run up to the fence. Right? So I'm beating on the door like it's my house. They want answer. So I start kicking that motherfucker, right? I be turned around like, boom, boom, boom. Dude open the door like, what the fuck? He like, I'm thinking you like some dude that, you know, about to try to run in the house. He like, why is you bamming on this door? And who are you? I'm like, that's my grandma's car. Can I have the keys? Because my dad gave it to you. That man looked at me and said, listen, that's not how this works. And you at 16, you don't need to be at these type of houses. And luckily, I know your brother because I have an older brother. And he said, luckily, I didn't kill you for doing what you just did. Okay. Mm. I remember that's the first time I smelled dope. My dad came from around him. His eyes was like a, a grayish color. Like they weren't glossy but it was weird it was like they was cloudy i don't know and i remember looking at him looking at me and he's saying i don't even know you like that you should my pop said this i don't even know you like that you shouldn't be here the the, the dealer looked at me like go home i got in my car i drove a corsica at the time Mm. (laughs) got in my car i remember putting a genuine cd in in the in the cd deck and I drove home and I cried my eyes out. And my brother looked at me and he said, L, not L, but Lauren at that time, we don't need him. I got you. And at that moment, I stopped looking for love from my dad. Mm-hmm. And me and my brother started to like form this bond that's unbreakable. But the only thing that came out of my brother watching that, he's an amazing father. Mm-hmm. Like, he taught him what not to do. So it's like, when you look at situations like this, it's like, damn, they terrible. But in a certain way, he taught my brother how to be a, the best father he could ever be because he know what not to do. So it's like a gift and a curse. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and that happens for some people. You know, you have some men that grow, some, some, some boys that grow up, and they realize, you know what? I never want to be like him. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, and they become, you're saying, these great fathers. And then you have some 
that have no guidance, you're saying, and they don't know what the hell to do, and they become just like their fathers. You know, or saying? they become the dealer. Yeah. So I mean, it is a, it's a, it's a gift and a curse, you know, uh, behind that. Um, and you know, for for the longest, I even with my father, you know, I didn't think that my dad loved me, you know, uh, growing up, because I have a younger brother, and I felt like I was always in trouble for. Whatever my brother did, I was always getting you saying the 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 whoopings you okay. saying or or whatever you know. So it's crazy now how now my dad damn near called me and bothered me every day you saying or whatever Same. and being in a better space. Um, and I think that my dad, you know, he's my dad is a person with a short temper. I'll say that much. Uh-huh. And. My brother, my dad has had have his own issues, and my dad definitely is not going to no therapy. He ain't talking to nobody. He barely talks to me. You know, what I'm saying he's not the person. If it ain't about sports or things like that, and which was so fucked up is the only way me and my dad could actually function is if I pissed him off. You know, what I'm saying if I said something that would get him riled up. Huh. That would be the only way Emotion. that I can, yeah, I can get something out of him, you know. But now nah, I don't, I don't even do that anymore because you know it's like I don't have the energy, you know. What I'm saying like I'm at a point in my life, I just want you know, saying to be able to talk to my dad, you know, what I'm saying or yeah. have just conversations and tell my dad about who I am, you know, because yeah. there's a part of me that I feel like. A lot of times, my parents just don't know. You know what I'm saying? They don't know. There is a mole that my parents don't know about. Um, I can feel you. And, and I, I just want to be able to share my life, you know, with my dad um, and talk about things that's beyond sports, you know. Um, yeah, that's important to you. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like give me life lessons, give me things you know, saying that is going to help me be better. You know, um, even with my mom, when I was, uh, I had moved back Youngstown two years ago. This was when we were originally supposed to do the show. Uh-huh. Um, I, uh, me and my mom clashed during that time, you know, uh, because I moved out of my parents' house my sophomore year in high school. Now, my parents were still together during that time, but I moved out because my household was, um, I don't like drama. And okay. my parents, they really couldn't get along. You know what I'm saying? It was Yeah. So I didn't want to be there anymore. And so coming back and living with my mom, my mom didn't know me as an adult. She only right. knew me as a kid teenager right right, as right. A ch- and not even really that because right she spent so i didn't i didn't tell you that when my mom went to go get clean she went to akron and i spent a little time living in akron as well but even during those times when i moved back home to youngstown and was you know during my middle school ages like seventh you know in high school my mom really was i wasn't living with my mom so I was becoming and evolving into this new person, you know. Right. And then also living um, 
here in Columbus. Like, my mom didn't even know this past week. Like, I, I told her, you know, I was homeless, you know, at one point here in Columbus. You know, I've been in Columbus for 13, 14 years. At one point, I was homeless, sleeping in my car. Right. You know, so. So she had no idea? No. I, you know, she knew that there would, you know, be points at, at times where, and one thing about me, you'll never know when I'm down, you know what I'm saying? Because right. I'm the type of person, I'm only going to be down for a, a minute, you know? Yep. And even if I'm down, I'm still like a muck. Right. But, and that's that's always been the thing that I, I, I've had. But anyway, I, I share that with her because I always felt like my parents didn't have it. And they, you know, and I, where I couldn't call home and ask them for anything because mm. y'all can't do shit for me. Yeah. So anything and everything that I had and had to do, you know, I, again, I'm a college dropout. So I already knew that. By me dropping out, I'm going to have to work 10 times as hard right. as anybody because I've already got, you know saying, a negative Stigma. against me. Right. You know what I'm saying? So anything that I have, like I possess all of this, this is all my shit right here. I own all, all this shit. shit. <laughs> this, this is me. Like this ain't, you know, my mom or my dad leaving me a trust fund or right. anything. Like yeah. I literally had to hustle my way up out of the fucking mud. Mm-hmm. And and here I am today. So when people, you know, call me bougie or whatever, you can call me whatever the yeah. fuck you want because yeah. you know what? I grew up in that in, in those Kimberbrook projects. I just seen shit, you know, saying that I wasn't supposed to see. Mm-hmm. I'm never going back to that shit. Man. Correct. I'm never living in my fucking car. Right. So you can call me what you want. I don't. This is why I don't really give a. Fuck. I can walk into a room right now, and I I don't care if it's Jay. Or be in there, yeah. I'm just as equal. Same mentality, I don't absolutely. Fuck, and That's this right. is why you people can say what they want about me, but I literally had to pull myself up, and, and however I'm climbing up to the top, it has been all been on me. Mm-hmm. And this, and you will really see. And this is the thing about life: you, when it's dark, you're gonna really see those who are there for you and who's around. That's correct. That's correct, and, and I, I, you should never apologize for that. No, I, I, and I never, and listen, I am unapologetic when it comes to who I am yep. and what I am. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And one thing about me, and, and, I, and, I, try to, and I say this, I think, you know, um, my consistency is my authenticity. Mm. And, and, and that's what I try to give all the time. You know, whether you agree or disagree, and I know I piss people off sometimes, you know what I'm saying? And guess what? <laughs> I'm going to piss you off again. You know yep. what I'm saying? Because why? This is who I am. Yep. You know, I can piss you off and still take you out to dinner, have a drink with you, love on you, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever. But this is who I am, 24-7, 365. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And, and I want to, when you said something that stood out to me, and when you said you could call me bougie, I'm okay with that as well, you know, and a lot of people, because I look about where I came from, where we having the stove open to get the the house warm, you know what I'm saying, or we got candles, you know, because the light's off, or we going to get water to pour on the toilet because the water off, you know what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. or we eating, we sharing shit, I've been there. Okay, mm-hmm. so me and my brother talk about this shit all the time when we toast into our success because it's like we earn this shit mm-hmm. and we deserve this shit. And that's why I am the way I am with my mother, <laughs> because I watch her work 
two, three, four jobs to make it make sense because my dad was doing what he was doing. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? And my mother never downplayed my father ever. When I would be like, I hate him. She'd be mm -hmm. like, that's still your father. And at this point, it's no longer that still your father because I'm at a point where I don't, I only deal with people I have to deal with. Yeah. And just because you have a title with me, mother, father, sister, cousin, brother, I don't give a fuck yeah. who you are. Yeah. If you are toxic, I don't fuck with you. And I don't, again, yes. and like my father, I talk to my father every day. I can get mm -hmm. on the internet and show you. He texts me every day and say, I love you fat. That's what he called me. He never called me Lauren. I love you fat. But in my head, those are just words in a text message. Mm. Because if you love me, when you come to my house, you don't want nothing. You just want to see me. Mm. But every time he come, he wants something from me, whether it's money, if it's food, if it's a ride, whatever. But one thing that stood out to me, you said your, 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 your father didn't know you were, it was always about sports. The only thing I can remember my father teaching me, and it's gonna fuck you up. I used to smoke a lot of weed, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I remember going to, me and my cousins was outside, you know, the cookout, and you go out, the cousins leave. Yeah. That was that was us. <laughs> we would leave, go to the car, and come back. <laughs> and then he could smell it. So he pulled me to the side. He said, listen, nobody should ever know that you smoke weed. So regardless of when you smoke it, do that shit at home, take a shower. And as a woman, when you go in public, you should never smell like weed. Mm. That's the only thing. I remember my father ever teaching me yeah. was not to smell like weed and how to roll a joint. That's fucked up because my dad is one of the most prestigious coaches in the area. I guarantee, I don't care if you go from Ohio, anywhere throughout Ohio, they're going to know my father, somebody from sports and the way he raises the kids in the neighborhood disgusts me. Because he's still a coach to this day. That's one thing about my dad. He's a functioning crackhead. You can't tell he's a crackhead. He don't look like one. But the way he uh, the way he is with other people's children, it disgusts me. Yeah. Because it's like, you still have time to make it right with me. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You coming yeah. over here doing this. And he asked me, he said, I seen somebody cutting your grass. I bet you paid them. I said, I did. I actually paid them 40 because they ain't my daddy. That's their business. You my daddy. Anything yeah. I need at this house now with my stepdad, Peanut, as y'all like to call him, when he came to my house, everything that needed fixed, what you think he did? Yeah. He took care of it. He called me and asked me, how you doing? So it's like, I tell people, if your real father don't want to do it and you got a stepdad, cherish that stepdad because stepdaddies matter. And yeah. I think it's easier for men to heal from daddy issues than it is for women. Nah, not, not at all. Not at all. I mean, because the thing about it is, even if you, I, I like to give this example. Think about um, The Lion King. Mm -hmm. How you've seen the interaction with Simba and you've seen the interaction, you know what I'm saying, with his mom and his dad. And uh -huh. his dad was there to give him the guidance, knowledge, and advice, you know what I'm saying, to help prepare him. His mom was there to give him that love and nurturing, you're saying, um, that he needs. And I think that that balance is what, you know, both need. You know what I'm saying? I was about to say it should come from both. Bro, it, no, it really should. You know what I'm saying? 
this is way off topic, but this is why I also think that it's important for boys to play with baby dolls. I, I, I'm with you on that. I don't know about if I'm going to buy my son or baby doll. No, but, 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 but <laughs> I get what is, you said. It, it, but it teaches our yes. girls how to be nurturing, caring, your sin or whatever, you know, and we got to remove the whole, oh, it's gay. Because gay, it's yeah. Not, I'm, I'm because it, th- and this is the fucking problem as to why your dad won't have the therapy or be open and recognizes this issue because we got to have this hard exterior. It's weak. And it's soft. Yep. Yes. And that, and that's the fucking problem. And that's the blockage that we have. And look, here we are on this goddamn podcast. just said crying Cry. said, because, because of these issues, you said, yes. but I think that, you know, when it comes to, you know, both sides, it, it needs to be, you know, that, that balance, you know? Right. Um, so, Yes, um, I don't even know what the hell the original thing was, but listen, I, my I wish you know. And what's crazy is my dad now is growing older, and, and, and those bridges that he had burnt them, or he's chased people away where he's growing old. And now I'm the son that he, you know he's reaching out to, and we're having conversations, you know, saying that he may not be able to have with his, you know, his other son or whatever. So. You know, I, I welcome it, you know, saying or whatever. And it's crazy because my dad was calling me down there every day, three times a day, you know, when I had COVID or even when, um, and I knew my dad, this is, was like, I could tell there was a shift in the relationship when my uncle a couple months back had died of COVID and my dad was real close and good friends with my uncle. My dad was scared, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, and I, and I remember telling him like, "Yo, yo, my dad. I think, um, I think my I think dude's scared, like, because he's calling me more, like, than he's ever called me in life." He might know? have realized some things, though. Absolutely. And then he had called me last week and apologized uh, for not being there for us, you know, uh, growing up. And and I and I told him, I said, "No, nah, I don't think it was a case of you not being there because." From my memory, he anything that we've ever needed, he was there to help. Um, as far as I can remember, um, so it was more so the way he treated me mm-hmm. that I had a problem with. It's not not being there, but I think just man, just just the treatment that I received from him, man, and, and I wanted. I always wanted better, you know, um, from my dad, you know, because people will be like, you know, as I said, people will say in my family, oh, you just be agitating him or whatever. Mm-mm. But people don't understand at that time was that was the only way that me and my dad communicate, communicate and, mm-hmm. and I can get his attention. Right. So for me, that shit worked. <laughs> right. You know, and um, but like I said, now as I, you know, I'm I'm 36 years old. I don't have the energy, the time to do that. We, you know, and I think that I'm old enough to know now that at least I can try. Because I've always felt like I was being the bigger person all the time. Because my mom would say, to, you know, y'all, that that was always an excuse in my family. You know, that's how your dad is. You see, mm. or you know, <laughs> and I'm like, listen, because so, I'm the same way as you are. Like, 
that dad shit don't mean nothing to me. That mom mm-hmm. shit don't mean, that brother shit don't mean, like, it means something to me, yes. Yes. I, I want that relationship with my siblings, with my parents, and all of that. But you but can be cut off. <laughs> you can be cut off, and I can love you from a distance. I ain't got to sure. deal with you. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Because, like I told my mom, I've lived down here for 13 years, and I can put, I can name how many times on one hand, how many of y'all been down here to see me. My dad has never been down here to see me. I've seen my dad one time since I've been living down here and he only came because it was for work. And I probably seen him for probably all of five minutes. And he only came because it was for work. They was paying for it and he was getting a per diem. So he was able to pocket mm. that money. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so I really come see you, but nah. he just was there. So you, I know yes, you didn't yes. have a call you. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, man. And then it's always like, you know, I, my mom was talking to me and was saying, you uh, when you come home, you don't do this and that for me and all that. And I had to like, listen, nah, listen. Ain't nobody ever asked me if I needed anything down here. Okay. Ain't none of y'all ever come to see me. And then when I got to go home, drive three hours, I got to go to this person's house, that person's house, or y'all get mad because I didn't see you. Motherfucker, y- ain't nobody come down here to see me. Correct. And, and so, I think, yeah, that you don't owe nobody shit. And I think that's uh, in a black household. People feel entitled to you because of who you are to them. And I tell people all the time, I meet people where they're at. I got cousins, like I said, I don't talk to. I, 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 I mean, first cousins. And I ain't talked to them in years. And I'm okay with that. Okay, so what we got to remember, just because we're related by blood don't make us family. And that's one thing that I'm sticking true to. And with my father, I want a relationship with him. I want it to be right, though. But at the end of the day, if he can't look me in my face and say, I fucked up, I'm sorry, and I still do drugs, because that's the part for me. He'll tell he'll look me dead in my face and say he smoked dope a year. When he don't even know that the people he bought, try to buy it from that won't serve him calls and tells me every time he tries to buy it. Because they respect myself or my brother. Now, you got yeah. some niggas out there that don't give a shit who we are, and they will sell it because they chasing a dollar. I get it, okay? But at the end of the day, I can't respect a 65-year-old man to look his daughter in the face and say, I don't do drugs. Yeah. I don't do drugs. You know what I'm saying? And the house I live in was his mother's. Mm-hmm. It wasn't left to him. And my grandmother hated me because... I held him accountable. She did. She used to give him money to go buy the dope. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like mm. that, that enabling shit. And my grandmother hated me. And I ain't not gonna say I hated her because she was my grandpa grandmother, but I had a strong dislike for her because the way that she coddled him. And yeah. the minute she passed away, my father did not know how to function as an mm-hmm. adult because he had always lived with his mother. He's never owned a home, he's never owned a car. In my adult life. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And it bothers me because I see what I'm doing. I see what my brother's doing. And we're we're okay for ourselves. And it's like, I'm not handing you shit because you didn't help me get this. And that might be selfish on my end. But I feel like as a child, it's never my job to take care of my parents until they aren't unable to take care of themselves, i.e. health, i.e. you know, your job loss. Because my mom knows she need me, I'm there. But I also know it's the same on her end. 
Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Well, my dad, I'm sorry. Everybody tell me I'm wrong and how I do, but I'm not, I don't have nothing else in me for him because he can't give me the love I deserve. So at that point, I'm done. And again, I see him every day. Every mm. day. Talk to him every day, but he know how I feel, brother. Like, <laughs> get out of my shit. When I walk out the room, I take my purse with me. Uh, yeah, yeah. You see yeah, what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I can't leave my purse around my father because my debit card will be missing. Or you make him clap his hands until you get back into oh, the no, room. Oh, no, I'm just not even going to play that. Like, I'm going to just take my purse <laughs> and let him see me take my shit so he know I know. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, you still a drug addict, dude, so I'm going to treat you like a drug addict. Absolutely. That's just that. So I, I, I think I need to do some more healing because I keep telling myself, yeah. I'm cool, I'm cool. And I can't even talk about this shit without breaking down because I was cool when we talk about you, but shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm done podcasting with you. I'm done. This is our last episode because you be oh, making man. me tap into some things that I don't even want to tap into. Nah, I mean, we need it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, we we may seem cool, you know what I'm saying, for the rest of the world, you know, or whatever. But we got our own issues and demons that we're dealing with, you know. And I think that this is good that we can use this platform and come on here and expose ourselves, you know what I'm saying, and be just vulnerable to uh, our listeners, you know, and even to ourselves, you know what I'm saying, because we're learning each other, you know. So uh, I appreciate these moments, you know. And I, I, we're not, this ain't going to be the first time, you know. Um, you know, this, this is probably going to happen again, you know, sometime down the road. And I think we should bring the parents on. I think we should try to get our peers mm. to come on and talk That'd with us face to face. And you know, if it's a, if it's hard for them, I think we need to reach out to them and see if we can get one of our parents to, to come on the show. I think my, my I don't I I will be honest. I believe my mother will do it and speak about my father in a respectful way. Because one thing about my mom, she don't dog her baby daddy. <laughs> she don't. Mm. She's always been. Hey, he made choices. I, you know, hey, I did what I could to make up for them choices, and that's just that. Okay, but I, I don't think my father would come on the show because, again, he can't admit that he's wrong. So we have to see, though. I'll reach out and see what happens, but I think we should make that happen. Okay, let, let's do that. Br- bring your dad in the studio, man. Maybe live from the wedding. <laughs> What, what? What? Wait a minute. What? I said we can go live for oh, the wedding. Oh, my God. Yeah. We ain't doing that. Uh, listen. I'm, so are you, you going to go to the wedding? Before we get out of here, are you going to go to the wedding? If, if my older brother can be there. I'm not doing it if my brothers can't be there. So you won't be there to support your mom if she, even if he can't? Because I, no, no. Okay, I, fair I, enough. I, I just, yeah, and, I, to, and I, I don't know if I made it clear to her. I just told her if, if he's not there, I can't support that because it's not fair to us. It's not fair to him. That's a big deal in their life. And that's so, gaining a stepfather, so I get it. Yeah, and I, so I don't know if my little, I don't know if my younger brother it's going to be happy that I, I said that, but my thing is I'll stand on that. And, I, and if it was him, if my younger brother, if he was overseas or any of them, I stand on that. You know what I'm saying? Because it has to be fair to us, you know, because again, you're asking him to come into our family to marry our mother. Correct. And technically 
he's playing, the, the, you know, he's the stepfather. Right. I mean, he's going to be Joe to me, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I didn't mean to laugh. He's going to be Joe to me, but I mean. <laughs> like. I mean, not, and I ain't trying to downplay him, you know what I'm saying, because I don't know the guy, you know what I'm saying, but. I'm sorry, that tickled me. You mean Joe to me, but like, I don't think your mom expects you to call this man dad. Ah, yeah, right, right, right. But he can't yeah. be Mister Joe. He's probably like sixty, seventy years old. He's just Joe. Hey, you know what's fr- funny is, and I, I again because I'm, I'm gonna share this episode with my mom. I don't, I'm not playing Joe, but remember the movie <laughs> with uh, Chris Brown and uh, yeah, that's what I'm. That's what. Yeah. That's what <laughs> Yo, I might have to go. <laughs> How about to go this Christmas. This Christmas, that's it. You go do that, Joe. Yeah, go. Yeah, she gonna do <laughs> that, do Joe. That, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna treat him like that because Idris album was an asshole to Joe. Man, Joe was a good dude. Man, he I like Joe. Dude. I like Joe too. But you go yeah, do you that, go Joe. do that, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> gonna do that, Joe. Hey, if, if Joe start giving some issues, then yeah, I might have to treat him like Joe from that movie. But you definitely an Idris Elba type son. <laughs> I don't even know why you sitting go, on this, you on this podcast that, live. You I ain't gonna, gonna do go. that. <laughs> he said, "I think I'm gonna head out for the night." Yeah, you do that, Joe. <laughs> Damn! Little did he know Joe lived there. He don't right. believe it because y'all don't know. <laughs> like Joe been right. hitting their mama. For years, <laughs> banging your mama out. Sorry, sorry, uh, my bad. It's, it's all good. Hey, my, all listen, right. man, my mom is an OG, man. So yeah, your mom has sex. She... I mean, my mom has sex. I ain't girlfriend. Like I know my mom has sex. I know she do. So whatever. You ever heard your mom have sex? Hey. Uh... <laughs> wow. Uh, and I hope. <laughs> You know, what? I hope my mom heard this, but I did. I have, and I was so angry. Yeah, and I, you know, the funny part is, <laughs> this is nasty. <laughs> so I, yo, she's gonna hear this. This is crazy. I've actually seen when I was younger. <gasps> oh my God. You seen her doing it? Well, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> it did. Uh, she had one of her boyfriends, and I heard her on the, in the room, and I was really trying to hate because I was banging on that door asking her, for, you know, I needed something to eat. And I listen, they got done. She came out. She said something about you need to stay in the child's place. <laughs> you need to stay in a dog's place to be quiet. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, ugh, yes, I, I, yeah, so. I think after 50, motherfuckers should just stop having sex. I, I mean, nah, if you're a parent, nah. you should just stop having sex if you have children. Because I don't think, close the hole up, tuck the lumber, and y'all just uh, stop having sex because tuck, y'all too old. Tuck the lumber? Whoa. Well, like, a, listen, I always, you ain't never heard me say that my next boyfriend, he's not wearing gray sweats unless he tuck it like a pad. Man, bye. Hey, <laughs> listen, um. This has been a great episode of Toast Up Tuesday, you said. This ain't even I, Toast Up Tuesday. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So you didn't I threw you me. off with that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you got to tuck it like a pad, y'all. Tuck it like a pad. Oh, oh you wild. I don't you know what, what God going to ever do it for me, but it sounds good coming out of my damn mouth. 
Tuck it. You don't need to show your print and your gray sweatpants. Tuck it. All right. Like a bat. Nah, but hey, yo, I appreciate this episode. Thank you, yo. Me too. I, I really did not expect for us to go there. I, I, I Yeah, I'm going to have to go take a walk after this. I need a drink. Absolutely. Yeesh. Hey, yo, and for those who are listening, listen, man, we are doing a blind date photo challenge, and we are, we're about to do a tour. Yeah. We're about, we're about to come to a Weekend on the road. Yes. And so I think- listen, if you are interested, hit us up. Tell them, tell them where they can email us at or whatever, and we'll send them out a questionnaire. Okay, so y'all can find us either at Blind Date Photo Shoot Experience 20. Blind Date Photo Shoot Experience 20. All one word. I know it's long. At gmail.com. And myself, Janelle, or Mo will get back to you with the questionnaire. And then it gets you a match. So I don't care what city you are in. This is a great event to meet people within a pandemic. I, I, never mind. I'm about to say, I want to do another one. Can I do another one? I think, listen, so what people don't understand is that you could date. Like, you have free will to multiple dates if you would like to. That's what you're supposed to do when you're single. You're supposed to find that fit. You know what I'm saying? And we listen, all we are responsible for is taking those photos and making sure that you look good. Now, the chemistry that y'all have while y'all on the set or on location, that's up to y'all. We don't have nothing to do with that. So we okay, well, you, that's yeah. fair. So, if, yeah, if you want to do another one, I think we should. I mean, we All got right. a, actually women, we got women requesting to do another one. Okay, so I will literally pay my $25 entry fee every time I want to do it. Every yeah. time I want to do it, I will give y'all my $25 because I don't want no special treatment just because I'm not host or not like yeah. that. Because y'all know, I don't know if we threw that out there, but it is a $25 entry fee. That's low. That's light. That's a meal. We didn't want nothing crazy, but obviously we do have photography. We have props. We have all double tree. We got to pay these <laughs> locations and things like that. So yeah. it's not to make money. It's just to take care of and make sure you guys have the best shoot out there. Um, so yeah, I want to do another one. So find me a millionaire. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 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 okay. All right. I tell All you right. who to go get. He don't gotta be blind, but all right, anyway. I'll tell y'all toast up Tuesday though, who I wanna date with. Hey yo, shout out to to the double tree, man. They were so 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 accommodating. That shit was lit. And, and they <laughs> took care of us, man. So they you know, hey, as much money as I pay at that goddamn spot. No, Mo on the board of directors. I, I, I oh. own all of that shit. I own all of that shit. Mo on the board of directors. <laughs> of the double tree. Yeah. Hey, he like, man. listen, they was holding. Listen, Mo had this lady. We wanted to get an elevator shot. I don't want to give y'all too much. But do y'all realize the receptionist came from behind the desk to emergency stop <laughs> the elevator so it wouldn't keep opening and closing? Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah Mo on all this shit. <laughs> yeah. Chucky Ice, it's so Man. nice you got to say it twice. Twice, yeah, yeah. You know what it is? He might be up on 12 Stop Tuesday tomorrow. Leave him where he at. It is too hot. I- I'm kind of disappointed in the, in, in the, in the double tree too, because what know, the I stayed hell? there last night. So, what's crazy is, I so you I don't know if you were paying attention, but there was one of the dudes that was there. He was working there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
He had the basketball shorts yeah, on? Yeah, I remember with the red shoes. So I know dude. I, I've known him for years. Now, I'm on the other side of the walk, and I can hear him talking to the receptionist, and he was talking about how he'd been cleaning the rooms. So I, I hear the voice, not really recognize it, but as I walk around the corner, it's dude that I know. So uh -huh. when I saw him, I'm like, oh, he ain't cleaning shit up in here. I know that for a fact. <laughs> these, rooms, these rooms ain't clean COVID. worth a damn. Creaming COVID. Man, listen. So, you know, I after the shoot, I go back, you know, to the hotel and, uh, and, and chill and whatnot. Wake up this morning. And I really, you know where they keep the Bible at. I, yeah, uh-huh. We don't really open that up. Well, right. I do. I Actually, I do. So I ended up opening up early this morning. Tell me why there was a box of condoms in there <gasps> with an empty Dorito bag. I said, yep, I knew this motherfucker's thing. Oh, I would have got all my money back. Man, so we're we going to work on that. You know, but shout out to the Double Tree. They take care of me. You're saying. <laughs> you should have called <laughs> they me, take care of me You would have no, had about we, 10 free rooms. Nah, so the lady, I knew that who was working, you know, because I'm a regular there. She really can't do nothing for me. Right, right. But we're going to talk to the people that need to be talked to tomorrow. Condoms. They were just making sure in case, you know, you needed one. You had the toilet With, a, with an empty Dorito bag in there, though? <laughs> My nigga got hungry. So listen, <laughs> it, before I go, let me give you all some advice. When you get a hotel room, ask them to take off the sheets and give you new pillowcases. Break, I literally I cannot. I have to get a fitted sheet and put it over the pillows. I can't yeah. lay my head directly on a hotel pillow. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. And I also take a towel and stand in the shower. I don't give a fuck if I'm at the Marriott five star hotel, the the Bellagio, the Cosmo in Vegas. I don't care where I'm at. I'm standing on the towel in the shower. I can't mm. do it. I cannot stand in nobody else's shower barefoot. I just can't do it. I will get some shower shoes back to the campus days, <laughs> but right, I can't right. do it. I just can't do it. No, nah, but today was great. I, I appreciate you for being my rider and let me, <sighs> you know, feels good. Yeah. I'm going to punch my man in the face. Hey, and also one last, one last, one last thing. I'm, I'm going to just you let sure? people know. No, nah, sure. I swear to God, we go, I'm going to get out of here. I swear. I just, I got some information. So, we're going to be doing a new little thing where we're going to be having some co-hosts or whatever come through. So if you, if you feel like you got what it takes to be on this microphone and want to do this, let us know. And if you, it depends on how you do. We might have a seat for you. I don't know. We might. So, we might have a permanent seat for you. Yo, we need to share that on social media. I just got an idea. Brother, All right. I just got to go there. Hey, yo, we out of here. <laughs> we out of here, Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Static Energy Podcast. I love y'all. Yeah, love y'all. <laughs> I love you. I Thank love you. you more. Hey, yo, we out of here. My name is Mo Giles, and this is... Laura Michelle. Laura Michelle. Static Energy Podcast. We out. Blah.